2: Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Monday, July 15th, 2019 edition of Invest Talk. And we have just started the third week of July, and there are a lot of variables at play in the markets. So you are going to need to stay on top of what's happening because the market is moving, uh, or the, the news is moving fast. And I think we're at a, a critical inflection point that could mean a blow off uh, top apparent, uh, uh, potentially or just a, a rollover here. So uh, it's, uh, you're going to need some unbiased guidance and hopefully you've come to the right place. I'm Justin Klein. I hope you will give me a call with your investing questions when and if you make that time to call we can shape that sh- this show to your advantage and help you take that next step in financial freedom. And we do this each and every weekday with a philosophy of independent thinking and shared success. So I encourage you to give us a call. Try to do it sooner rather than later. The number, as always, is eight 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 ninety nine 99 chart That's 888 4278 Now, my main talking point today concerns... An opinion piece and it's about the fed building a bubble if it cuts rates i mean i i I could i could easily argue this that they've done that well in advance of of their their next rate cut here in a couple weeks right Uh, and but one expert is warning that a july rate cut during a still healthy economy could create the exuberance and bubbles that cause crashes. I'll explain his point of view, and I'll give you my sense. And there's actually a very good analog to the current situation from the 1960s that can really give you some color to the relationship between the Fed and the President as well as the current market environment market backdrop. So we're going to talk about that, but also some other things on my mind today. There's some news or economic news out of China, and I'm going to touch on what that is and what that means for the global economy. Also, we have a fast rising deficit, around a trillion dollars and going up uh, each and every month, it seems like. Uh, at least year over year, I know last month was uh, the the largest increase for the month of June ever when it comes to our uh, our deficit. So that'll just show you where we are in the uh, in our fiscal situation as a country, and we're coming up on the debt ceiling. And I'm going to touch on that. And then lastly, Libra. Libra. This is a digital currency launched by Facebook. And there was a Senate hearing about it. And there's there's a lot of scrutiny from government. And this is one of the... Laws that I've always seen with digital currencies, and it's coming to light today. So we're going to touch, hopefully, on that as well. But ultimately, I want to know what's on your mind. Those are what's those are the topics that interest me. But I want to know what topics interest you. So give us a call: eight 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 ninety nine chart 888-992-4278, until you get through and ask your question on today's show. Now the market was. Slightly up today after being down most of the morning. Small caps were the weakest. They were down about half a percent. The SP was up very slightly, two tenths of one percent. NASDAQ up a uh, quarter of a percent. Transportation was down. Uh, you had city group earnings, and they were down along with the rest of the financial sector. So overall, Kind of a more of a flat day. I know S&P and NASDAQ were up, but kind of everything else was flat to down. Let's go to James in Sonoma looking at VRP, which is Invesco Variable Rate Preferred ETF, correct?
3: Yes, it is. I wanted to know what you thought about that one and then what I what you think about preferred stocks. This would go in a, um, I own some of it already, half for years, I need to add to a position because I'm a little light in fixed income. I would go in an IRA uh-huh. and I know what you thought about that in, in our interest rate environment since we're obviously going to be uh, have a little rate decrease coming up here.
2: Got it. Okay. Well, this is... Uh, Morningstar gives us a three stars out of five. So, kind of average for this, uh, this area of the marketplace. It has an expense ratio of about 0.5%. Fo- so, for an ETF... That's a, that's a little high. I would probably compare this to something like PFF, uh, which has an expense ratio of point four six percent. So a little lower. So it's definitely not out of the the realm of uh, 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 from the fee perspective. It's in that that range. Um, you know, I don't love the preferred space in general, and I'll give you a reason why. Well, so preferred. Shares for everyone else out there—they kind of sit between your common equity, right? When you think of a any stock that you would buy out there, you're typically buying common equity within uh, a company, ownership of a company. And then on the fixed income side, you have typically bonds, you have your high grade uh, senior bonds, and you have sub subordinate bonds. You might have uh, asset back bonds, et cetera. And preferreds kind of sit in the middle, right? uh you you might have some sort of convertibility to common equity so there could be some potential upside but most of them uh don't don't have that characteristic so but when a company goes bankrupt for example the bondholders get paid first right before the preferred shareholders and then the common equity holders so you sit below above the common shareholders but below the bondholders so you're not in a great position to recover some of the uh, of the value in bankruptcy, and then also if the company does very very well, you're kind of capped still at that amount of dividend that the uh, that they pay, right? Uh, that that preferred security pays usually four or five percent, something like that. So I I just don't like that large potential downside and minimum upside okay of a preferred uh security so i don't like that uh this fund is fine um i don't like it in 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 this situation especially with where interest rates are now interest rates could continue to go down and they're very sensitive to interest rates because preferred shares typically don't have a maturity or the maturity is very far out right and so they're duration risk, meaning interest rate risk, is very high, very, very high, and as well as the potential volatility to the downside. So I don't love the space. The ETF is fine, but it probably is not where I'd be putting additional money right now. If you want to increase your fixed income allocation, I would be looking at high-grade corporate bonds. I think that's the best Yield, risk versus reward that you're going to get in this type of market. I know it's not great yield, uh, but it's still probably around what you're going to get with this, and you're going to be uh, much better protected. Makes sense, James?
1: Yes, it does. Thank you very much.
2: No problem. Thanks for the call. Eight 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 nine nine chart eight eight nine nine two four two seven eight. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and you and I both know that no one can really predict where the market is going next week, next month, maybe even next year. But you can be prepared for a volatile market by balancing your portfolio. And Steve and I help clients or listeners do that all the time. So your calls and inquiries are always welcome at our KPP financial office in Irvine, California. That number is 800-557-5461. But now I'm taking your questions live at 888-99-CHART.
0: This is Invest Talk, and now more than ever, you need unbiased investing guidance, right? Of course you do, because it can help you achieve financial freedom. If you live anywhere in Northern California, you should register to meet in person with Steve Peasley in San Jose on July 31st. But for now, Justin Klein is here, and he's taking your calls live. Step up with your questions. 888-99-CHART. 888-99-CHART, chart -CHART,
2: 889 4278 Let's talk a little bit about some of the major benchmarks in the market today. At the close today, the 10-year Treasury Yield settled at 2.11%. Gold was down a little bit, still above that 1,400 uh, mark, 1,413 an ounce. As long as it stays above kind of 1,375-ish uh, or so, I, I still think gold is a v- very constructive here. It's, very, uh, it's consolidating. It, it's acting very well in a time where there's a lot of economic uncertainty. Oil is at sixty dollars a barrel. I still think there's some potential upside from a geopolitical concerns, and I don't think the oversupply of oil is going to happen, you know, quite uh, too soon. Uh, simply uh, because more and more the, the growth of domestic production has slowed. Okay, slowed. It's still growing, but it's starting to slow, and the the, the yield the curve of how much these shale oil wells are getting out—that uh, it drops very fast. Meaning, they drill the well and they get good yield out of initially, and it drops a lot faster than our traditional uh, way that we we drill for oil. So, uh, it, it's it's a more volatile supply situation. Uh, globally for oil than I think it's ever been in the past and and that's not because of geopolitical concerns it's simply because of the technology used to drill for oil today so I think uh, there's definitely long-term kind of potential oversupply but in the near term the geopolitical space as well as the fact that we're kind of in balance right now I think oil still has a little more upside from here. Now gasoline prices are at 279 per gallon on average. I know here in California it seems it seems low, but there's a lot of taxes built in. And Bitcoin has pulled back. We're going to get to some of that, uh, that news later in the show, hopefully, about Bitcoin and the scrutiny that it's getting, or at least its cousin or potential cousin, Libra, which is supposed to be launched by Facebook. There are some concerns by government, and I think this is the start of a bigger crackdown by government, on cryptocurrencies. Now, China's economy is reportedly growing at its slowest rate since 1992. 27 years. Tariffs are having a big effect on China. Dell, GoPro, Nintendo, Brooks, Running Shoes are all companies that are moving their supply chains out of China. And today, Trump is promoting made-in-America products, so the longer the trade tariff threat drags on, the greater chance that more companies will get out. They'll decide to exit China and invest invest elsewhere. And I think in a lot of cases, they're just not doing much at all, right? They're not investing in new product development, in new infrastructure to both produce and deliver goods to customers. So China needs a deal now more than the US in the near term. However, long-term, I think politically, they'll hold out longer than you would expect, simply because they have a lot of control over their citizens, over their economy, because they can pull whatever levers they want, at least in the near term, to buttress against this downturn. Okay? So don't be surprised if this trade war continues to drag out. I've talked about it. I think this is going to drag out to the end of the year, maybe into next year. Uh, I I think Trump will eventually come to a deal because of the election. But it's something that will weigh on the global economy, I think, for a little while longer. Now, it's Amazon Prime Day. It's underway in 18 countries with over 1 million Prime deals on display. And Amazon currently has 100 million Prime members. Which produces $100 million in revenue to Amazon because they have $100 million, uh, it costs $100 a year. Now you're listening to invest Stock. I'm Justin Klein. And let me remind you that our invest... Oop, I guess we got to go to a break. Give me a call. I want to hear from you at 888 99 Chart.
0: Are already into the third week of July, and you are very likely hard at work and also focusing on your goal of achieving financial freedom. So, you've come to the right place Invest Talk, where you can get timely investment information and unbiased guidance. Justin Klein is here now, and the phone lines are open 888 99 Chart.
2: 888-99-CHART, 888 4278 Let's go to Charles in Moreno Valley, not far from where I am at. And he's looking at China Mobile. Yes, sir. You looking to buy it? You hold it? What is it?
3: I own no tech stocks, Justin. And I started looking at them. And I look at this one and revenue is growing I know they had some difficulty with their own government passing laws that affected their income, their net income, but I would like your opinion, uh-huh. please.
2: Well, first I like off, I would not consider this a. Yeah, I mean, you guys yield about 4.1%. I would not consider this a tech stock not at all this is a this is like the verizon or maybe at&t of china right they're a hong kong based provider of digital wireless voice and data services to 925 million customers throughout china and china uh, in hong kong so they're they're very broad uh they have huge revenue uh 25 billion dollars in sales last quarter. Now, that was down year-over-year year 7%. Earnings were also down year-over-year year 7%. Earnings are expected to rebound 4% this year overall and 6% next year, but those estimates are coming down and probably one of the reasons why the stock has recently declined from the mid-50s down to the mid-40s. Right, You're at $45.24. Uh, if you're looking at that dividend, it's payout ratio uh, is to pull this up here um, and give me it on one of my other, okay so pay ratio is about 50% which is not out of line, I uh, definitely wouldn't say that's out of line. Long term return on equity kind of in the low to mid-teens, and it's around the low side now, 11.5%, and that's kind of been declining. So the the financial trends have not been fantastic, have not been fantastic. Now, they don't have a lot of debt, and they clearly have a a steady business, I would say, overall, even though revenues are down 7% year over year. But if you're looking for tech exposure, this is not where I would be. I would be looking for. If you're looking for a dividend payer that's going to pay you a solid four percent and probably consistently long term, you know, this is a decent uh, opportunity to buy it. Uh, technically, it doesn't look fantastic, but it's certainly near some support. Um, so, if if like I said, if you're looking for tech, this is not where you want to be looking, Charles.
3: Okay, Justin, I I put the wrong label on it, but I'm still interested in it.
2: Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, you know, I I th- I think it's okay. It's, it's enterprise value EVA is only two and a half, so it's certainly on the cheap side. But it's also I mean, this is a China name. China names, I o- you always kind of have to give like, uh, is, are these numbers right? Are these numbers true? How accurate is this? Now, it's one of the largest companies in China, $185 billion market cap. So you certainly have much higher confidence in it than most other names, most other China names. Um, but there's you have to discount that, right? You have to discount the potential risk of, uh, I don't want to say fraud, but misleading investors, the risk of political upset within China. um, And that's why you're getting that steeper discount, right? You're not going to pay a premium for this. Um, But it is at attractive valuations. I do think that dividend is safe for the medium term. Um, But if you get into, once again, political problems within China, I could see uh, more volatility uh, spiking up in, in this name. So I don't love it. I would rather buy a domestic name that's paying 4%, right? An AT&T or Verizon, both pay over 4%, and you're going to get a much safer dividend. So if you're after that dividend, I would go with one of those names over China Mobile.
3: I will check out those names,
2: Justin. Thanks, Charles. Thanks for the call. Now, the Wall Street Journal says that Boeing MAX 8 jets could be grounded until 2020. Their delays regarding their imperative... Software fix are plaguing the process. Boeing is a Dow stock, so it's been kind of weighing on the Dow overall and is, let's see, where are we? We're down about, we're still down about 25% from its highs, and I think this could be weighing on the Dow more long-term because I don't think they're going to get through their issues anytime soon. There's tons of lawsuits, so uh, Boeing is actually one of the names in the market that I dislike the most. Okay, so I would be weary of that, and it's a uh, definitely a name to watch, especially if you're looking for the Dow to move much, much higher. Now, before the break, I asked the question. Uh, let's see, what was the original name of the company that eventually? All right, I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take a quick break. Uh, I got the wrong. Oh. Give me a call. Eight 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 ninety nine chart.
0: Overall, I feel pretty good about our investment decisions. But there are times I wonder if our current 401k plan could be doing better. I mean, which funds are the right funds for me?
4: For us. You're listening to someone who could benefit from KPP Financial's Active 401k program.
0: I can't spend all my time following the market, and I'm sure it would certainly be a big help to receive advice based on real data from unbiased advisors.
4: The Active 401k program features math-based models to guide you in and out of the various investment options in your plan. KPP monitors and advises you take action with the Active 401k program. KPP clients immediately see current investment recommendations configured to match their personal plan preferences.
0: Active 401k.
4: Okay. Take the next step toward your financial freedom.
0: The great thing about achieving financial freedom, you can keep working if you want to, but you don't have to.
4: And here's more good news. KPP clients who are active 401k subscribers will receive a complimentary subscription to the KPP Premium Newsletter. Each Friday, Steve Peasley writes a market action and trend newsletter that serves as a quick summary of the week that was. It also includes stock ideas, portfolio management information, and consumer finance tips. So enroll in the active 401k program and also get the KPP Premium Newsletter. Start with a contact call to KPP Financial, or visit kppfinancial.com.
0: This is Invest Talk, the radio program and podcast dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom. You may be a regular listener. You may even have called a few times. But if you've never called, what are you waiting for? The phone lines are open, and Steve and Justin would love to hear your questions right now. Call 888-99-CHART.
2: Let's go to Joel in Seattle looking at B&G Foods, correct?
3: That's correct. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for taking my call.
2: Thanks for making it. Now, uh, are you looking to pick it up for the dividend or you see a deep value or you know a lot about their, uh, their various brands? What is it?
3: Well, um, I liked the... Uh, I like the fundamentals back in 2017, I picked it up for about $30 a share, I took about a 3% position in my portfolio, now it's around 2% Um, with with the fall, I wanted to see if you guys liked the company or thought it had a good outlook.
2: Yeah, we, we still like the company. Uh, it's certainly down in its luck because uh, revenues are down four percent year over year. They sold off a, a, a one of their brands to uh, Hershey, if I remember correctly. Uh, they also had bought Jolly Green Giant a couple years ago, and that certainly boosted their uh-huh. their revenue. So uh, that's no longer you know adding to their to to their uh, to their revenue line like it was once the acquisition closed. So they've—they certainly they grow when they can when they see uh, brands. For everyone else out there, this is a packaged food company. So they own a lot of different brands. Uh, like I said, Jolly Green Giant. Uh, they used to own Pirates Booty. I think that's what they sold to uh, to Hershey. Uh, they have other tons of other different brands. Cream of Rice, Cream of Wheat, um, Smart Puffs. They have a ton of different brands that you see in grocery stores. Uh, They yield about 9.3%. And the reason that they're kind of having trouble is, you know, it's a tight margin business. And margins have come down a little bit. They're still very profitable. Um, Cash flow is still positive. But they do have a decent amount of debt because that's how they, that's their strategy. They go and acquire brands that maybe other companies don't want anymore. And then they plug them into their pipeline, grow the revenue base, Slowly, and then maybe sell the brand if someone else wants to buy them, like they did with uh, they did with uh, Pirates Booty to Hershey's. So uh, that's kind of the brand strategy. They pay a lot of dividend. Uh, they're Pay ratio now is 74%. Cash dividend pay ratio is 88%. So they have the cash flow and the earnings to pay that nine and a half percent dividend, and that's why I still like it. Now technically, it does remain weak, but it is near some uh, really good long-term support around this twenty-dollar level. So I still like it. Enterprise value to EBIT is seven point seven, cheap. Uh, Return on equity is still very high, about 20%. So all of the financial metrics still look fairly solid. It's not going to be a fast grower. It's not going to be a super exciting company. And that's really, I think, the issue here is people are after the exciting names and packaged food companies just simply aren't that exciting. And that's one of the big reasons why it's down on its luck. So uh, from a deep value perspective, I really like the name still. Uh, And you're getting a nice uh, 9.5% dividend while you wait. So uh, I wouldn't mind adding to it here. Thanks for the call, Joel. 88899 chart, 88992-4278. We have twenty minutes late left. Twenty minutes left to get your call in and ask your question. Let's talk a little bit about a piece on CNBC, and it touches on the potential for the Fed building a bubble if they cut rates. Now Jeremy Powell or Jerome Powell, excuse me said at his semi-annual testimony in front of the Senate Banking Committee that appears the uncertainties around trade tensions and concerns about the strength of the global economy continue to weigh on U.S. economic outlook and inflation pressures remain muted. So that was his statement. And basically what he's saying is the economy, global economy is slowing and we need to cut rates. Now, the yield curve is inverted, and we've talked about this for a little while, and, and it's inverted in different parts of the curve. Threes and fives, And you, there's been a bunch of them, but about 70% or so, depending on the day, of the yield curve is inverted, which speaks to potential for a recession. Now, there is a good analog uh, that they point to in this article, and I think it's uh, it's important, and it talks about the 1965-66 Time frame when the yield curve did invert, but there was actually no recession. But it was also a time where the president was putting pressure on the Fed to lower interest rates. This was President Lyndon Johnson, and in June of 1965, he has asked, asked his attorney general if he could fire Martin. Does that sound familiar? Right? Trump has been talking about maybe potentially getting rid of Jerome Powell, and said that he could, if he wanted to. Well, in yeah, in reality, he couldn't. But it's pretty interesting that he isn't the first one to first president to put pressure on the Fed to lower interest rates. In fact, the Fed raised rates. McChensney Martin, he cut rates or sorry raise rates in december of that year on a four to three vote interesting you know nowadays it's always a all or nothing everyone agrees pretty much there's very few dissenters maybe one if ever and back then it was a four to three vote to raise interest rates now the economy still avoided a recession and soon after actually in 1967 he actually lowered interest rates and stoked inflation dropped un- unemployment once again and actually overall the economy had its longest streak of expansion until then through the 1960s and actually it was it sowed the seeds for one of the worst recessions and worst bear markets in history in the early 70s 73 74 So this article tries to advocate that if he lowers interest rates now, he's just stoking a bubble. And I will argue, you know, the Fed has, this is nothing compared to what the Fed has done over the past decade or so. So if the Fed has created a bubble or is creating a bubble, it's all that they've done for a a decade plus. It isn't this one rate cut. And I think it's, Misleading to try to tell people that, oh, this quarter point cut in the month of July 2019 is going to create a bubble after a decade of you know $4 trillion in money printing uh, ZERP, zero interest rate policy for uh, most of that time, and outright stating they're trying to inflate asset prices. And at some point, when you inflate asset prices too much, what is that? That's a bubble. That's what a bubble is. So, are we there? Should the Fed be doing that? Is a 2% inflation target really necessary? Or smart? Especially without understand the dynamics of globalization and technology that's driven down inflation. So this is you know, I think we're at a point where the general public is waking up to the fact that, you know, is this how monetary policy should be implemented? Is this the role the Fed should have? I think there's a lot of questions that should be asked. And need to be answered. And I don't think I have a perfect answer. I don't. I think I have a general answer. But we are at a point in this country where we should be asking those questions. And I think we're starting to. And I think actually the cryptocurrency market is part of that. It's a release valve for what has been terrible policy for you know I would argue 30 years. I'm Justin Klein, you're listening to Invest Stock. So I think it's safe to assume that you are serious about investing cuz you're you're listening to Invest Stock, right? You want to grow your wealth. And of course, as you make your investment choices, there will always be a bit of fear that creeps into your judgment process. And that's natural. You're a human being. Humans are emotional beings. And fear comes from your risk perception, right? Most people think about risk when they're experiencing it, right? When they're experiencing the downside of whatever they put their money in. But in reality, risk is always there. Just because you're not losing money today does not mean you're not taking that risk, right? You go skydiving and live doesn't mean you didn't take the risk of skydiving. So I think it's always important for you to understand what risk you're taking, even if you're not understanding, you're not experiencing that risk today. And I know most people say, oh, well, I'm just a long-term investor. Well, I can, I don't want to say I guarantee it, I don't guarantee anything. What I want to say is, the majority of people who think they're long-term investors they take very short-term action when volatility hits. So I encourage you to go, to, to go over to investtalk.com, take the risk allies Risk Questionnaire. They'll give you a score of 1 to 99. Figure out how much risk you're actually willing to take or should be taking. And then Steve and I can help calibrate your portfolio to your personal risk tolerance. And now I'm taking your questions live at 888 chart
0: This is Invest Talk. Made possible by KPP Financial, where they describe their services as independent thinking, shared success. And KPP principal and Investalk host, Steve Peasley, is pleased to announce that he will be returning to San Jose, California on July 31st to conduct his no-cost, wealth-building portfolio review consultations. If you're a serious investor, and if you live anywhere in Northern California, you should make plans now to sit down in person with Steve. He can review your portfolio and show you how to optimize its performance so you can achieve financial freedom. Appointments are limited, so don't delay. Wednesday, July 31st, Steve Peasley returns to San Jose. Register now at investtalk.com. The phone lines are open and your calls are welcome. 888-99-CHART.
3: Hey, Justin and Steve. My name is Trevor from Monterey, California, and I'm new to investing. And I guess my question is, I'm a little confused on how dividend yield works. I've got about 300 experimental dollars with GE, and their stock, I believe, is around ten forty right now, $10.40. And their dividend yield is 4.89. I just received my first dividend payout of 30 cents. Wow, <laughs> a whopping 30 cents. Anyway, um, I guess I just am a little confused on how the math works there. You could hopefully explain to me how dividends work mathematically and what some good dividends or dividend yield numbers I should be looking for. Love the show, and I appreciate the answer. I'll take your call off the air. Thanks.
2: Well, the first thing I'm going to say about dividend yields is you should not be focusing on them. Uh, dividend yields are nice. It's nice to have a dividend. And the higher that dividend yield, the better, uh, but in a vacuum. But there are a billion other factors that are far more important than dividends. And I know you don't want to hear that, especially the retirees, uh, because it's just simply, uh, it's a lot simpler for most people to just focus on that dividend yield. And I understand that. Um, and now it looks like GE, it pays about a one cent dividend. Now they're having massive debt issues, uh, managing through uh, poor management in the past and trying to unwind a lot of the bad choices, right? Right. And in GE, they're paying a penny a share. And you probably own 30 shares, my guess. And that's probably why you got 30 cents, right? You said $300, at $10 a share. So that sounds about right, okay? Now, what yields going forward... uh, Let me just back up and talk about dividend yields. It's very simple, okay? Let's say you have a $100 stock, and it pays out $1 every quarter, right, per share. That's $4 for the year, you have $100 stock, $4 divided by 100 is 4%. That's a 4% dividend yield, it's that simple. So you take how much it's gonna pay out throughout the whole year, divided by the current stock price, that's the current dividend yield, That's simple. And if you buy those shares, you're going to earn that amount from a dividend Over that time frame as long as you hold it for that year. Or through those four X dividend dates. Problem is that just like GE. Just because they pay a dividend doesn't mean that it's going to be a net net positive. You could easily see. A decline of 20, 30%. While you're collecting that nice 3 or 4% dividend. But at the end of that year. You are. Behind the eight ball, clearly, because your principal has declined. So that's why I say, try to not focus too much on the dividend yield. Focus on the value that you're getting. Remember, price is what you pay. Value is what you get. You want to be getting more value than what you're paying for. And that's the ultimate goal. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and we have one goal here, and that is to help you achieve your own personal version of financial freedom. And we are going into our last segment. So if you're going to give us a call, you want to do it right this second. So our work continues after this break. So get your questions in now at 888-99-CHART.
0: On the next Invest Talk, with trade tensions escalating, there are five things to know about this earnings season. That story tomorrow. But now Justin Klein is here, ready with answers, and he's waiting for your questions. 888-99 chart.
2: My name's
3: David, I'm 29 years old, uh, calling from Virginia. I've been investing for about six months and I just wanted to know what you think about B-A-B-A, that's Alibaba holding Company.
2: I just wanted to know if you think that's a good hold.
3: I think it's going to be going up. And I just wanted to see what your take on that particular company was. Supposedly, with the trade wars, it's not supposed to be affected very much. I just wanted to know your opinion on that
2: for the next three months, maybe the next 3 years. Thank you. All right, looking at Alibaba Group. This is a very large company, 400 about 50 billion dollar market cap. Growing about 41% year-over-year on revenue as well as earnings. Uh, And I'm going to go back to what I said earlier about China Mobile, that this is a China name. So you kind of have to take these numbers a little bit with a grain of salt. I have heard some, and I, I don't have a lot of research behind this, but I've heard some similar shadiness that happens at alibaba much like uh at tesla right so uh i I, and i also it's kind of a red flag that jack ma who's the founder just suddenly i think he's still relatively young retired uh and i think he just wanted to cash out at a time when his company was valued so highly so um I, i don't like that backdrop and then you have the fact that when you say it shouldn't be affected by the trade war, well, it absolutely is going to because it's a Chinese company and the vast majority of the revenue comes from China. So if the China economy slows, this is a name that will be affected and their growth should slow. Now, it hasn't shown that that to be so in the numbers so far, but once again, those number, take those numbers with a grain of salt. Now, technically, when, when I look at this murky backdrop uh, of a name like Alibaba, I'm going to look at the chart. And on the chart, you have a peak... Back in what was that? Early 2017, kind of with the the overall market, right? Uh, and it's traded as low as 130 ish, and as high as 210. And now we're at about 173, so we're about at the midpoint. But we had this huge reversal month two months ago, the month of May, and that is to me, a shot across the bow. It made a lower low, lower high. It's uh, MACD crossover continues on the monthly chart, uh, and to me, it's overall, it's bearish. It's just consolidating bearishly. Now, it's rallied a little bit recently, but it hasn't gotten above any major uh, resistance points that tell me that this downtrend is going to reverse. So I'm going to stay away from Alibaba for now because of that murky backdrop and the technicals, which just frankly aren't very hot. 8899 chart 4278. Let's fall let's just finish up with the statement by I believe it was Mnuchin today uh, about the Libra. Libra the cryptocurrency being launched by Facebook. Now, Facebook said that they're not going to launch anything without clearing the hurdle, regulatory hurdles. But what I want to speak to is just simply the misnomer that cryptocurrencies can exist without the blessing of the government. And I just simply think this is a great example of how that's not true. People operate in the physical space. Businesses and individuals. And those who control the physical physical space are governments. Governments control their physical space. While cryptocurrency can exist in the ether, in the digital world, until we can print our own food or our own houses, our own products to where you know, we can stay within our house and have everything provided for us within our home. I just simply think that the governments are going to crack down on things like Libra and any other type of cryptocurrency that is going to try to circumvent the SWIFT system, the financial system that we have today. And why I think. It's the start of something 50 years from now will probably be much bigger than our current US dollar. Its form probably does not exist today. So just be aware of that, understand that while cryptocurrencies are interesting and I think they have a long term future, that future is going to be very volatile. I'm Justin Klein, and this completes another Invest Talk program. I thank you for your loyal support and questions. Let's come back tomorrow. Steve will be here, and I return on Thursday. Good night.
1: Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically.